Hallelujah. Praise oh, God. Let I loose. Mean. Let her go. Take the shoes off. Yeah. Get down. Y'all Get up. I was at a meeting in Las Vegas about 25 years ago, 26, 26 years ago. And, uh, you know, that's when uh, the, the, the charismatic move, you know, everybody was getting spirit-filled and, and all the denominational churches, you know, 78. And it started happening in the 70s, you know. And, of course, uh, David Duplessis had been working in the Catholic churches, you know, and they'd get in Holy Ghost and, in the 60s. And, and then the, the, the faith movement came and, and everybody was getting, you know, faith. And, and the denominations were getting spirit-filled and and we were at a big meeting and we were singing for this big meeting in uh, las vegas didn't know what we were doing just screaming and and uh but just you know love life and uh, we were free and thought everybody should act like us because everybody was telling us to calm down and we were like why we're we're redeemed (laughs) redeemed with the curse of the law he became a curse for me so that i wouldn't have to bear a curse dear god (laughs) and uh, And a footnote we're still going and shouting and they're no longer doing anything (laughs) you know and uh, and, uh you know not only that but i mean my goodness i'm not going to hell (laughs) that's enough to run around the church 10 times on right there even if I didn't get anything else, I'm not going to hell. Amen. For all eternity, I'm going to live with my master and my king and my redeemer and my creator. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I don't know about you, but I can't wait. And so uh, so somebody, we were, the, the, the evangelist said, to, uh, I want my singers to come up and help us pray for people to get spirit filled, you know. And, and so, we were, you know, we were praying with people to get spirit filled. And there was someone that we thought was older and more mature in the Lord that was ministering with us. And there's a lot of high end in these uh, monitors, right? And um, and so uh, we so he this girl we were praying with this girl and he says step aside. Well, we said okay, and he said now the problem is, ma'am, you got to take your shoes off. And Lois and I looked at each other and we were like, brother, where is this coming from? Take your shoes off so you can get filled with the Spirit. That's the problem. Your shoes are preventing the power from connecting with your mouth and coming up through your body. To hit your mouth so that you can express that tongue, but your shoes are. Well, thank God for Pentecost. Thank God for old time Pentecostals, but thank God we've learned a few things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Your shoes don't prevent nothing, man. Woo! Thank God that we have the Pentecostal move, and I got, I'm a Pentecostal. How about you? If you're filled Man. with the Holy Ghost and if you speak in other tongues, guess what, folks? Don't cause yourself charismatic anymore. Well, I'm non-denomination. I'm charismatic. No, you Pentecost. <laughs> Pentecost. You know what you mean Woo. when you say you're Pentecost? Woo. That means that you believe that when the Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father, He shed forth the gift that He promised from the Holy, from on high, from God. The, the, the Holy Ghost was shed forth on the day of Pentecost and signs, wonders, and miracles began to break loose because they were endued with power from on high. They began to speak with other tongues. They laid hands on the sick. They rebuked devils and they walked in the works that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection secured by his blood. That means you're Pentecostal. Pentecostal. <laughs> Hallelujah. So glory oh, to God. Glory to God. Pat- and we ain't backing down and we no. ain't stopping. And I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care if some people are trying to hide the Holy Ghost in the back room. We ain't hiding nothing, no. Hallelujah. You know, people are saying, well, you know, well, we better not do this because somebody special is coming from the town. I got news for you that somebody special is looking for something different. Oh, that's what they came for. They're looking for something different than what they've already had. They just don't know it. And teenagers, don't be embarrassed to write your friends here. Who are you? You're not God. Let them come on in. They might just jump on in. Yeah. We're not, we're not just somebody who's got a message. Oh. We have the very power that raised Christ from the dead. Yes, it's alive. He's Hallelujah. alive. And he said, <laughs> I like what uh, Rick Ritter, he's actually a Hebrew-Greek scholar. He's working on a translation of the of the epistles. And if you have a chance to get it, you really do need it. It's not complete yet, but once it is complete, you'll be so blessed by it. He sent me an email that had some uh, of the 
the beginnings of Ephesians chapter 1 and started in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. This is an excellent paraphrase. He says, because of the position we have in him, we now possess redemption. See, now we don't have to go anywhere trying to get something. We go everywhere with the consciousness of what we have. And by the, you know, by faith, we actually walk in that which we have received by grace. Well, you do understand. Hallelujah. Everything that you buy, what you walk in by faith, <laughs> you have already received by grace. Somebody go, yes, yes, glory to God. That means, you say, what does that mean? We possess redemption. That means his blood paid the price for us to be permanently released from the slave market we used to live in. The payment of his blood is what broke the yoke of slavery. And now we are unchained, unshackled, unleashed, liberated, utterly emancipated free you know what emancipation is remember when Abraham you may not remember but maybe you studied about when Abraham Lincoln I'm not you know, that old yeah. when Abraham Lincoln you know I had, we had the emancipation proclamation and it declared that slavery was no longer legal that every person who was living or had been born as a slave was no longer a slave they were now legally free it's so good to be free y'all it was called the emancipation proclamation but the problem was there were a few slaves in the south who couldn't read didn't know anything about were unable to be informed of the legal document that declared they were no longer a slave so you know what they did they still served their master they still acted just like they did before they didn't change anything. They lived the same place, did the same thing, had the same outlook for their future. But legally, they were free. And I'm here to give you, this is your emancipation proclamation. Yes. And I'm telling you, Abraham Lincoln was the president, but I'm telling you, God, Jesus, is Lord of death, hell, and the grave. And there's no place that his word does not rule emancipated before he paid the price we were battered slapped around assaulted mistreated and abused but now now not only has his blood delivered us it has also secured the forgiveness of our sins those misdeeds faults deficiencies and shortcomings that we couldn't correct or overcome because they were rooted in the darkness that was in our hearts See, it's not a, it's not what you, what you've done is not what keeps you from God. It's who you are. But when he gives you his life, see, he actually did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. That's why it's called grace. You understand? He did it for you in Jesus Christ. You couldn't do it. So Jesus became a human being just like you, Hebrews 2 said. And he did it so that he could once and for all Dis, uh, destroy the one who had the power to rule in your life that is he tells you the devil, the devil. Woo, glory to God yes. this is your emancipation proclamation you know it's kind of like that lady you know I feel like I'm looking at a few people who kind of like that lady at you know the antiques road show y'all ever seen that and she brought her little vase in that you she... want to know our life is so boy we'd like to hang out with him yeah, it's... oh yeah and she brought in you her just little think you want to hang out with us she brought in her little vase that she I bought... watch animal planet and she watches the antique road show we're just a barrel of she brought in her little vase that she had bought at a ymca auction you know that she bought i think for like 15 dollars no i think she said it was 50 because i thought when i saw it 50 no, but anyway, and so she it was sitting there, you know, and this guy's telling her, he said, you know, telling me where you bought it. And she's telling him all this. And she's just kind of standing there, you know, looks like kind of a librarian <laughs> from Craig, Colorado. No, I, <laughs> I didn't say that. So when the offering comes, hey, put my name on the so, so she's standing there, you know, she's got her little vase. And he said, well, what do you do with this? Well, I kind of use it sometimes in the corner of the living room, you know, put flowers in it now. And then doesn't really go with the decor of my home. So it's not in a real prominent place. And so he said, well, let me tell you about this vase. He said, you see these special markings on this vase? 
that means it came from this certain area at this certain time and you know this value because it has value because of you know this this is where it uh, was was made and, and 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 so on and he said you see this this signature here you know this is this you know down here on the she thought it was just a scribbling bunch of but it was actually someone's name and Jesus said that actually you know assigned uh, a piece that that puts it in a class all by itself and and, and then he said you know you pay what fifty dollars for it? he said I would actually uh, appraise this at auction to get you somewhere between forty and sixty thousand dollars. Well, this is what happened. This little lady was looking at her vase, like like some of y'all looking right now. Yes, redeemed by the blood, emancipation. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, forever set free. That's me. I'm no more, no more bondage, no more dominion of sin. That's that's good. That's good. Thank you very much. I know I'm very proud to have you. Well, this is what she did. Her husband was standing off the camera. He didn't know that, uh, she didn't know that they zoomed the camera in on him. He was off camera. And so when he said this forty to $60,000, she looked at her husband. This is my husband, for those of you who, just to be at peace. She went over, ran over to her husband, threw her arms around her husband's neck, threw her legs around her husband's waist, Shook him from side to side. This is the part I like. <laughs> Shake it up, baby. Shook him from side to side. Jumped off her husband. Ran. Oh, actually, I forgot when she was shaking him from side to side. She went, woo. She really did. I saw this more than once. And she jumped off her husband, came back and stood back on camera a little bit brighter than she was before. And I thought to myself, now wait a minute. She came in there with the same thing that she just got informed of the value and significance of. Actually, it wasn't that what she had changed. It's what she knew about what she had that changed. Now, I'm just here to tell you, you've been set free. Free. And we're not talking about some, you know, uh, 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 temporary freedom. You know, there's no such thing as a renter Christian. You know what I mean by that? You know, okay, I'm paying my dues every month by the 5th. And if I don't get it in by the 5th, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm working toward it. I'm trying to be there. I'm trying to do what? I'm just trying to make it through. No, no, no. You are secure by the very blood of Jesus. And freedom reigns in your household. You live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I ain't talking about America. I'm talking about redemption in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You got it? Listen. the devil's running you but I'm here to tell you the best defense is a good offense oh the devil can't stand it cause you guys know some of this stuff yeah oh some of you kids need to jump on in yeah it's gonna save your life ha 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 your friends at school they don't know which end is up if they don't know Jesus you following somebody doesn't know which end is up? Actually, it's the end that is up. No. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I tell you, and afraid of anything that's going on? No, they're waiting for somebody with power. Yeah, I'm telling you. The world is waiting for somebody with power. Yeah. They're waiting for you. How many of you know that's you we're talking about? How many of you know it? How many of you know in spite of all of your misdeeds, all of your faults, all of your deficiencies, all of your shortcomings, we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and now we are released and it's as though though it never happened because his blood testifies that we are redeemed. You say, oh, that's just an excuse for low-level living. No, no, no. I'm telling you. It's actually the answer for it enemy can't stand it that this church is here and all the churches that are represented here tonight he can't stand it ain't nothing he can do about it no ain't nothing he can do about it except run you off yeah 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 if he can't run you off you run him off 
That's why when we go over into the, to those countries and we walk in, I'm telling you, we, you know, we strap our guitar across our shoulder, we march on in, we all dress in black and look like rock and roll singers and stuff, you know, so they won't check out our Bibles or anything, you know. What are you? We're singers, entertainers. Oh, man, yeah. They go, yeah, yeah, we're entertainers. Because then they don't realize we get inside the country and the devils shudder because they go, oh, no, here comes Shekinah glory. And I'm going to rule this country with Muslim and Islam. But here comes Shekinah glory. They're going to tell the truth. They're going to tell the truth. I'm telling you, we're running him everywhere we go. And listen, that's the reason you're having so many problems. That's the reason the enemy's trying to come against the United States of America. Because we support the gospel worldwide. 80, probably, what is it, 90? 90 or 95 percent more than any other country. They said, what are all these things coming against me? (laughs) Yes, we have an enemy. The Bible says we have an enemy. Of course it's going to come against you. He hates you. But he's going to come against anybody. He hates people because we're created in God's image. But we got the greater one in us. Greater, greater, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I've been saying that today, all day. Greater is he who's in me than he's in the world. Greater is he who's in, in me than he who's in the world. All day. Greater is he. Greater is he. Greater is he. Nobody can say that for me but me. So if you got a little problem, you better just shut yourself off and go, greater is he who's greater is he who's in me than he's in me. That's how you start out usually. You know how you you know how you get the devil on the run? Greater is he who's in me, oh God. You put God's word in your mouth and you just rejoice over it. You declare it and you don't come off of it. Show me what to do, Lord. How am I gonna pay this job? God, we gotta do this. We gotta greater is he who's in me than he's in You just run him out of your house. Oh greater is he who's in me than he's in the God greater, greater, and all of a sudden you go. Greater is He who's in me than He's in the world. Greater is He who's in me than He's in the world. Greater is He who's in me than He who's in the. Yeah. I speak to demons. I speak to devils. I don't care what it looks like because faith is not about the seen and the unseen. Faith is for the unseen and the unfelt. Faith is for the unseen and the unfelt. I don't see it. I don't feel it. Woo! I'm in faith. Hey! Because greater is He who is in me than He who is in the world. Oh, greater is healing in me than sickness that I feel in my body. Dear God, where'd this come from? Am I just getting older? What? Hey, dear God, greater is He because my body is strengthened every day. Greater is He. Greater is healing in me than, than sickness that comes from this world. I don't take it. I don't take it. I don't take it because greater is healing that's in me than sickness in this world. Yes, I know somebody died. Yes, I know somebody died over there. Somebody died over there. They don't mean I have to die then. Okay, because greater is healing in me than sickness that comes from this world. Oh, somebody does something. Oh, dear God. Oh, man, what's wrong with them? Can't they do anything right? Whoop. Greater is love in me than hate that comes from this world. Greater is love in me. Greater is acceptance in me than, than distance that comes in this world. Is anybody getting what I'm saying tonight? Because I'm wall to wall, Holy Ghost. So I lay in my bed, and the devil says, don't get up, don't do anything. And the Spirit of God says, if you believe that, don't just run around in the church. Get up now, right now. Get up right now and rejoice. Because you're the only one that can always do something. People come up to you and they say, but you know, I can't do anything about it. I can't do it. Yes, you can. You can always do something. You can always rejoice. I've seen people in wheelchairs rejoice with a smile on their face more than most people that have two good legs that can walk around. I've seen them wheel them down, just glowing. And I'm thinking, oh dear God, they know how to rejoice. They know how to, because you know what? They made a choice to rejoice. We're wall to wall Holy Ghost. I can always rejoice. You can always rejoice. You may not feel like it. You may not want to. But you know what I do? I get up beside my bed and I go, <laughs> oh, glory. And as something happened the other night, not too long ago. I had something that I had to go into the doctor for. And they said, for whatever you do, for one week, don't run or anything. So I was praying the other night before I come to this service, coming down here to Colorado. And the Holy Ghost started whirling up on the inside of me. And all of a sudden, I got running in my legs. So I got out of my bed and I started running around my bedroom. And I went, whoop, I'm not supposed to run. All right. So I went like this back to my bed I laid down and I said I may be laying here but I'm I may be laying on the outside but I'm running on the inside I'm running on the inside I'm running on the inside oh Lord revive the power of Pentecost across the nations and across the world oh that the power of Pentecost would be poured out on people that they would understand that we become in one accord oh revive and play that song again I don't think we quite got it oh up the wall to wall play it again Oh, revive it in the church. Bring it everywhere that we would go. Oh, we're not trying.
drunk as you suppose. This Southern Baptist Jew is drunk on the Holy Ghost. Woo! So do you guys have any other kind of meetings? Yes, we do. It's just that you guys were asking for something else. You see, this outpouring is a part of the plan of God for these end times. Because see, revival times and outpouring times are not just going to be over here and over here at the Welsh Revival and Azusa Street and the Rhema people and the Damada people. And, oh, just in this country, in this country. But we are going to experience it all over the world. Because there's an evil genius, the Al-Qaeda wants to kill all the Christians and Jews. And then there's another Islamic move that just want to convert all the Christians and Jews and take over the entire world. It's no longer communism that we're facing. Every generation has something they face. King Nero, the meanest king on the face of the earth, killed and slaughtered more Christians. Are you willing to lay down your life? Well, this revival is going all over the world. Smith Wigglesworth told told Lester Summerall he said it was a prophecy given and Lester Summerall gave it in his day when he was still alive. It says I see a revival coming to the planet earth as never before. There will be untold multitudes saved as never before. How many of you think the passion of Christ is going to save untold multitudes? No man will be able to say so many, so many, because no man will be able to count those who come to Jesus Christ. I see it. The dead will be raised. The arthritic healed. We're seeing it. We see that. We see that. The arthritic healed. This is, a, this is a prophecy Smith Wigglesworth said to Lester Summerall, correct? Yes. Okay, just for, no. What? He just gave it and Lester Summerall was there. Right, right. That's what I mean. Arthritics will be healed. We have so many people healed of arthritis in our services. Not only that, but what, what's that other disease? Um, the, 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 the lady that was in pain, fibromyalgia. She was a myalgist, fibromyalgia. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I can sure get them healed. All right. Mm-mm-mm. I don't care what the pic, I don't care how the camera works. Just give me the photo. The arthritic are healed. Cancers will be healed. We've had more people healed of cancer. No disease will be able to stand before God's people. It will spread all over the world. It will be a worldwide thrust of God's power and a thrust of God's anointing. Ooh, and that's what we're entering into right now. Last night when I said no longer say uh, uh, we're looking for revival, I didn't mean no longer say we're looking for these glorious things to be all over the world. What, what I'm, I, I didn't mean to say that. You can still say that. What I meant to say is no longer say I'm waiting to enter in because the glory is already here. Oh, so many times people say to me, oh, God's really moving. And I always thought to myself, you know, I'm a Baptist girl. I wasn't raised in Pentecost. But I figure God's moving anyway. It's just a matter of us moving. God's been moving all along, honey. I think it's you just woke up. God's really moving in our part of it. I'm thinking, well, honey, I'm glad you think he's moving. But, honey, he's been moving a whole lot longer than you just saw. God's always moving. It's a matter of us moving with him. It's a matter of us being led. I called, um, I called, um, uh, uh, um, Mom Hagen not too long ago and I said I'm, I'm really praying I said people are praying and we're pushing through things and, and I understand that there is a there is a, a, a praying through in the Holy Ghost where you pray through until you get the victory I understand that but and she said well she said you know we wouldn't have to push through if everybody was so much if everybody would just yield to the Holy Ghost and I took those as words of wisdom We wouldn't have to push if everybody would just yield. Velma Hankins was running around the camp meeting at uh, BB Hankins, uh, at BB, uh, at Brother Hagen's camp meeting this last year, and she runs all the time. We've had the honor and privilege of being a part of their camp meetings and singing and preaching in their camp meetings for almost 18 years. Because I figured if I'm going to be around pastors, I want to be around people who have experienced Pentecost. 
B.B. Hankins' father, grandfather, was one of the first A.G. preachers that stood out in the street corners preaching and proclaiming Christ and the power of Pentecost. So I figured I'd better hang around some people who know something. Amen. And Miss Velma Hankins, she always takes off. You know, she was healed of a, uh, uh, of a nervous breakdown. Always takes off. So at camp meeting, she was running. I noticed she was running by herself. So I ran down to the bleachers. I never let a saint, a leader, run by themselves. If I see a leader take off and run, I figure they know more than me and I'm getting in the path. I may not understand it. I may not want to do it. But I figure they saw something. I'm joining. And so I ran down those bleachers, ran and grabbed her. And I told her sons, I told her daughter, Mark and Mike and Bobby, I told them all what she told me running. And they said they had never heard their mama say this. And I grabbed her elbow and she said, you know, Cindy, she said, the devil tells me every time I run, you look like an old fool. She says, but if we don't yield, we will never see, our generation won't see the end time harvest revival that we're supposed to see. And the aim of the older saints are crying out for it. And they're leaving this earth. And that leaves us to usher in, to be yielded. She said, the devil says every time I run, you look like an old fool. We better yield. You know why he didn't want her to run? Because every time she runs, it stirs up somebody. Conviction comes on somebody's life. Something happens to somebody in those meetings. That something uh, they get healed, or something happens. We're in a meeting, and I ran past a guy, and he took out his hearing aid. No, he ran past me and took out his hearing aid. Why? Because the power of God's on me. The power of God's on you. And the church in Florida where we just came from, a man said, he said, you were, you were at our church last year and I ran past you and you grabbed me and said your liver is healed. I didn't even know he had a problem with his liver. But there was a move going on. And in that whirlwind move, I was prophesying and speaking. Trying to stir up. That's why I ask you to enter in because the more you enter in, the more I move. Oh, and so he said, I went back. I was, I said, the doctor didn't know what to do. They went back. They took an x-ray. They went inside. They looked at me and they said, your liver is a hundred percent healed. We don't have to do a thing. A lady was there and she said, you stood up and said, lumps and tumors will fall off your body. Somebody's got to proclaim it. Somebody's got to say it. You say, well, do you have thoughts and things? Of course, I'm just like you. I told Lois tonight. She, was, she said, I was listening to one of her tapes. And she said, I'm just amazed at what we do. And I said, I know. I can't hardly listen to our tapes because I think, what in the world? Somebody, what are you even doing in the pulpit? Get down and let somebody who knows something get up there. And you work at Dillard's and support a move group. <laughs> I have thoughts just like you do, but I don't hang on to those thoughts. And I stood up and said, lumps and tumors will f- fall off your body. She said she had had a lump, a, a lump on her. And she said, she said one day, she said she just went like that. And she said she started flicking it. It was on her backside. She started flicking it. She said it just fell to the ground. She went, oh, it came to pass. Lumps and tumors fell off my body. Somebody's got to proclaim it. Somebody's got to say this is the day of liberty. Somebody's got to say this is the time you can go free. Somebody's got to run around the church. Somebody's got to pray in other tongues. Somebody's got to speak redemption. Somebody's got to say this is the power of Pentecost. And we're expecting the king to return. And we're expecting signs and wonders and miracles more than we've ever seen in our life. Somebody's got to stay in a town and lift up your voice. And say, this is the way it is, thus saith the Lord. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. To (laughs) preach the acceptable day of the Lord. He said, the anointing's on me, but somebody's got to preach it. But you don't understand, Cindy. I'm a teenager. We don't do that. Listen, I was walking. We're not in the pulpit. Listen, I was walking on the streets of Paris buying a t-shirt from a t-shirt stand downtown Paris 
I wasn't in a pulpit. The pulpit's in me. And this young girl, she, I looked at her and I said, God has a plan for your life and he loves you. She said, may I talk with you? And I said, yes. And I led her into the sinner's prayer to receive Jesus Christ as her Lord. She was Syrian, born outside of Damascus. And the Islams had tried to get to her. And she said, well, they say, they say, the Muslims, they said, well, they say that they know the truth. And you say, you know the truth. So who's going to know who's the truth? And I said, well, I don't argue with people. I give them the word. The word is sharp and alive and it's full of power. You don't have to argue. I said, well, honey, I said, all I know is Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the God. No one can come to the Father except through me. And she looked at me and she went, hmm. That was it. I just gave her the word. Real simple. I didn't say, well, Jesus said that. I said, well, you know, all I know. And I didn't act like I knew more than her. I said, all I know is what Jesus said. And he said that no one can come to the Father except through me. And she went, he did. I said, yes, he did. She said, well, all right, I'll pray with you. She was 18 or 19. Five years later, she was in her apartment in Paris and died. Carbon, carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide. Because she shut up a return valve in her apartment and blocked the air from going back out. And I wrote a letter, and they read it at her funeral because she was... She had a quite colorful past. You know, the woman Mary in the Bible? She had many, many people she had been with. I called her one day and I said, how are you doing? She said, well, I'm, she said, instead of with everybody, I'm down to one. I said, well, that's progress. <laughs> I didn't jump all over her and say, what's wrong with you, you filthy sinner? She said, I'm down to one, Cindy. And I went, I said, well, praise God, that's good. <laughs> At least she wasn't with every man in Paris. I thought that was pretty good. And all those people were at her funeral. And I read the letter. No, they read the letter. They read the letter from a friend that said, Marcella had received Jesus Christ as her personal Savior and believed that he died on the cross for her sins and she would want nothing better and for everyone in this room to receive her master. And she's in heaven today and looking forward to seeing you one day. They said there wasn't a dry eye in the place. Teenagers, I wasn't in a pulpit. I was buying a t-shirt that says Paris. Because <laughs> I thought it looked cool if I went back to the States and had Paris too. I've been, oh, have you been to Paris? Oh, yes, I've been to Paris. Of course. <laughs> I've been to the Gold Coast in Australia. I have a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> I've been in Manila. I have a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> I've been in Italy. I have a t-shirt that says that. Great Britain. T-shirt. Scotland. T-shirt. She has one from Colorado, too. I have one from Colorado, too. She's got so many Switzerland. Of them. I have one from Switzerland, and I wear that when I want people to get really cool. <laughs> She's got so many oh, t-shirts. Yes. I've been in Switzerland. <laughs> Sorry, you have it. Pee on. <laughs> As if a t-shirt makes you so cool. You understand what I'm saying, kids? Your kids are waiting for the power of God in your school. They're waiting for somebody who knows something more than just what MTV can give them. Because one day, they'll grow up and they'll get into the awards and like Prince, they'll go, well, one of them Jehovah, because it's all spiritual, and you're looking at him going. And your point? Do you have a point? No, but you got millions of dollars, but you don't have a point. His point was, I wasted my life. Are you getting it? The power of Pentecost is on you going to your schools. Some of you kids need to be shaken in here tonight and realize the power of God is on you. The power of God who raised Christ from the dead, that power is on you and in you. 
Don't you ever walk into your school like you just ain't got much. I ain't got much. I ain't just, I'm just a little Pentecostal kid. Don't want my kids to my church because everybody start running around the church. Everybody think I'm just a wing. I'm just dinged out. No, you better believe. You better hope somebody runs around your church if you got a friend. <laughs> You've been there, haven't you? <laughs> Because they'll never forget when you come in contact with the power of God. You never forget it. You never forget it. You can't erase the power of God from someone's mind. And you're the one who they'll come in contact with. Woo! Glory to God. <laughs> the lady with fibromyalgia. I jerked her out and she was running around. Laid hands on her. She said the power and the heat of God flooded her body. She went home and slept for the first time in three, in three years. She came back and she started rejoicing and testifying to the people. And she's totally healed to this day. Totally healed. Signs and wonders and miracles. I believe in it. We walk in it. I love it. But somebody's got to lift your voice. Speak it forth. There are a lot of people who can preach better than me. A lot of people who can teach better than me. A lot of people who can know the Bible better than me. But I'm the one that gets up and goes, Anything's possible. Somebody run. Somebody get healed. Somebody lay hands. Somebody get it. I'm driven with every fiber of my being that I will proclaim Christ to the nations as long as I have breath. Is anybody with me? Somebody's got to blow the trumpet and say, rise up churches in America. We're blowing the trumpet in America. Life is bigger than Safeway. And city market. That's just a place we go. That's not who we are. When you're buying bananas, God's buying bananas. Is anybody getting it? Your life wasn't so hot. Christianity is the death, burial, and resurrection of what you used to be. And God replaces that with Him. Him. God Himself and lives within you. <sighs> oh, somebody said, well, new creation. Somebody said, it's like you have a brand new car. You have a car and it's old and it's messed up and you go through this repair shop and the car comes out, you know, shiny and whole. And I said, that ain't new creation. You got a car that's messed up. New creation is you take a MIG and you drop a bomb on it and it goes, and there ain't no more car. It's Gone. God says, create another one. Be created. That's new creation. Now the other is mind renewal. Don't ever look at a butterfly as new creation. It's mind renewal. You were obliterated. You didn't cocoon into something. That's evolution. (laughs) We're recreated in Christ. The devil hates it when we do this. So why are you doing this? I don't know. I want to penetrate you guys so much. That's just the way I do it. Lois teaches. That's the way she does it. I scream. See, God can use you. You got a way that you do it. God's very colorful. He takes all of us to, 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 to manifest Him. Everybody. Giftings and anointings. That's what the power of Pentecost did. They were one. The power of Pentecost brings us one together. They were one when the outpouring came. The power of Pentecost will bring the gifts and the spirit. The giftings and anointings all the way throughout the gift of the word of Acts. They said this Christ whom you crucified. God raised from. Whom you crucified. God raised from the dead. I got an answer. I wish Fox would come and interview me. Who killed Christ? We did. All of us. Who cares about the Romans and the Jews and the Romans and the Jews? We all killed him. God raised him up. Read the books of Acts when you go home tonight. He said, this Christ whom you killed, whom God raised up. 
God raised from the dead. And then signs and wonders. The power of Pentecost will bring the gifts of the Spirit. You can operate and flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. What is it Brother Hagin kept prophesying? Seeing and knowing. Seeing and knowing. Seeing and knowing will run rampant through the body of Christ if you want it. Take it. I just want to give you... I just want to give you four scriptures that will help nail down the will of God in your life. Is this okay? We'll be, just if you give me just, I promise, 10 minutes. I just want to give you something that you can take home tonight. And when you take it home, you can look at that word and it'll stir up what you received by the Spirit of God in here tonight. Y'all with me? Yeah. How many of you know that um, the, the power of a revelation is always greater than the power of uh, an experience? say why do you say that because revelation is always real experiences come experiences go but revelation is always real I mean you can wake up tomorrow morning and you might not feel free but when you got a revelation of freedom from the word of God I don't care how you feel you know it and what you know is actually what's going to hold your life together The Bible says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Knowing it. There you go. Knowing it. So I'm just going to, there was, I had about four different things I was going with, but I just want to give you this real quick. It's out of the book of Philippians. And the reason Philippians is actually, the longer we're in the ministry, the more I love the book of Philippians. Because Philippians is the book that Paul wrote toward the end of his ministry. And as he wrote this book, he was actually in jail. But it's a book that is most noted for the happiness that is pervasive throughout the book. And I'm just telling you something. If you're going to do what God wants you to do and finish it, you got to learn how to be happy. I mean, we just wrote a new song, you know, I'm forgiven, I'm delivered, I'm accepted, I'm righteous, I'm free, I'm healed, I'm holy, and I'm happy. You know, I'm just telling you, you got to hook up with that. And because, you you know, he said, I finished my course with joy. Well, if you're not going to finish it with joy, unless you are doing it with joy. And there are things that you can know about the word of God that will keep you happy. Not based on what's happening around you, but based on what's happening in you. So real quickly, I'm going to give you four scriptures that will help you to stay with it to the end. Are y'all interested in staying with it? You know, it's one thing to, to uh, obtain. It's another thing to maintain. You know, you learn that if you go on a diet. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got into meddling now. Oh, but Philippians, four scriptures. The first one is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm just giving you just the four things that have actually helped me to be, to be able to uh, stay happy. The, the information, it's the, you know, it's the uh, Antiques Roadshow Revelation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Philippians 1, 6 says this, being confident of this very thing. How many of you like to be confident? Amen. You know, confidence is not conceit. Confidence is assurance. It is actually conviction. It is, um, it's, it's something that you are certain to, certain of. It means to be fully and firmly convinced. Now it's not talking about something when he, when he, when he says being confident of this very thing. He's not, if you'll notice, talking about something he has done. Although at this point in his life, he's done many things. But yet he doesn't talk about anything that he has done. He talks about something God has done. He says that he which hath begun a good work in you. He's talking about in me. You could say in me. God, God has begun a good work in me. He said God has done something good. He's done it in me, but it's God. He said the reason I'm so confident is see, when Cindy was talking about spirituality a while ago, a lot of people talking about spirituality, you know, being spiritual. I'm spitting all over the cell. trying to say spirituality. But you know, your, um, your spirituality is only as good as the source that it is in. You understand? I mean, you know, uh, people like to talk about being spiritual and all that, but you understand that it's only as good as the source it is in. I mean, you know, my goodness, you don't even drink a bottle of water without knowing the source. 
I mean, you know, the way I hear people talk about being spiritual, it's like, it's like they get up and they, you know, here, drink some water. Any water will do. You know, go to the toilet. Just fill it up. It don't matter. It's water. Just go right down the toilet. Just fill it up. It don't matter if it's a been used toilet. Just fill it up. I'm just trying to make you, you know, you go gross out. Well, that's how I feel when I hear people talk about spirituality. And yet then they talk about in the same breath, you know, the things they promote are things that promote pornography and, and illicit sex and sex with anybody of any color, any, any, any gender. It doesn't matter. And I think the source of their spirituality is like dirty toilet water. I mean, your spiritual life, spiritual, whatever you think you are, it's only as good as the source it's in. I mean, you know, Aquafina, purity, guaranteed, you know, delivers a water so pure, we promise there is nothing but crisp, clean refreshment in every bottle. Well, I want to tell people, you want to know what my spirituality is about? It's based on who Jesus is and what he's done. And let me tell you something about what Jesus has done. It is 100% guaranteed. We don't got no lifetime guarantee. We got an eternal guarantee. To be pure, I mean crisp, holy, righteous, re- redeemed, delivered. We're talking, you, you find out what's in the source, and then that's what's in you. Are y'all with me? I mean, it's just, it's just words. It means nothing. It's just, it's just talk. It's just talk just to sound good because everybody wants to be somewhat in touch with God. But there's only one way to be in touch with God, and that's to be in touch with Jesus. Oh, well, I wouldn't even mind. Be confident of this very thing. He said, this very thing makes me sure. People ask me sometimes, why are you so, why are you so uh, bold? Because I know what God has done. I might not know everything, but I don't let myself be overcome with what I don't know. I let myself be convinced of what I do know. You know, the only way you're ever going to have the answers to what you don't know is to walk in what you do know. That's the only way. If you stop when you are uh, overwhelmed, you will be overwhelmed the rest of your life. Whatever stops you, that's what marks your life. Being confident of this very thing. That he, I'm, I am going to just take a few more minutes here. That he, speaking of God, which hath begun a good work in you. Now he's talking about what something God has done. But he says, God has done something good in me. He says he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says there is something that God has started in me. Now God's not through working. He started something in me. But he said you want to know why I'm staying with it? Because my dependence is on the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. You ever been disappointed with someone that you expected to do something that they didn't do? Well, you got to remember that God is faithful even when they are not. And he's faithful to you. He will fulfill what he has started in you. He does not give up because you do. He does not quit because you do. He does not, uh, 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 you know, just uh, grow weak because you do. He does not grow uh, weary because you do. So what do you do when you grow weary? Take a hold of his faithfulness. How do you take a hold of his faithfulness? Get Philippians 1, 6 out and say it. I thank you, Father. I'm confident of this very thing that you've begun a good work in me. And you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is a performer. He's looking for a way to perform in you. Have you made a place for him? Hallelujah. He will initiate something in you. He will. uh, I love this one. This is my favorite translation. Uh, God never began a work that he did not complete. He's the author and finisher, Hebrews 12 says, of your faith. Of your faith. That means whatever, however, wherever you decide by faith to go, he is faithful to fulfill what he has called you to do. You say, well, I, you know, I just want to, you know, I just want God to be uh, on my side. Well, actually, you need to be sure you're on his side. (laughs) I just want to, I want God to be on my side. No, no, what you want to do is make sure you're on his side. 
Being confident. So number one, you want to understand and have dependence on the faithfulness of God. Because there's many things God wants to do in your life. And unless you are always looking to Him, you're going to stop somewhere along the way. And wherever you stop, that's what will mark your life. If you can't be stopped by trouble, then you will be marked by victory. Hallelujah. I believe in victory. How many of y'all believe in victory? I don't just believe in it. I'm convinced of it. You say, you ever had any trouble? Yeah, but that's not where I stopped. Ha! Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 13. Oh, there's so much you could say. I know you're saying, I know there is. Well, I hope you don't say it all. Well, okay. Philippians 2.13. You got your first marker? You got your first road sign? Uh, you got, you know, you're going to make sure you're on the victory trail. You know what I'm saying? This is the happy road. This is the road that keeps you going when there are things that could stop you. It's what you got, you know, you, you just say, I'm not sure I'm going the right direction. Well, read Philippians 1.6. Are you confident of God? Are you confident of His faithfulness? Are you putting your trust in Him? Okay, now Philippians 2.13, he says, Now, I love this one. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. This is one of the best scriptures you can read when you feel like you are not able. You think, well, I want to do the will of God, but I'm just not able. You need to read Philippians 2.13. You know, we have a missionary friend who went to South Africa or Africa somewhere, and over there, uh, actually, he went to a missionary. It was Ralph Hagemeyer, and actually, when he went there, actually, Mark Hankins did this. When he was 16 years old, went over to, and one of his friends over there, they had some chickens and those chickens started eating their own eggs and when they started eating their own eggs you know he went to a chicken doctor (laughs) and the chicken doctor told him he asked him he said what's wrong do I just have retarded chickens or what I mean I can't figure out what's going on here and he said no you don't have retarded chickens (laughs) I know some of you pastors think what's wrong do I just have retarded Christians or no but he said no no that's not you you know you just don't need stupid You know, stupid chickens. I just got stupid chickens. No, he said, you don't have stupid chickens. You have chickens that are trying to meet a deficiency in their diet. And so what they're doing is they're eating their own eggs, trying to get this deficiency, some kind of deficiency. So he told them what to add to their feed. And they added it to their feed. And when they added it to their feed, they quit eating their their eggs. So when they quit eating their eggs, you know, I thought, I really did think that's how some people think they are. They think they're just stupid Christians. They just think they're people who just can't do the will of God. I just can't do it. You know, I love God. You know, God, I love you, but there's just something about me. I'm just not able to do it. No, there's not something about you. You're just uninformed. You have a deficiency in your diet. Philippians 2.13 is what will cause you to quit eating your eggs and then you won't think you're a stupid Christian anymore. You say, but it is God who works in me both, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's not just working in you to just give you a desire to do something. With the divine desire comes a divine performance. Listen, with the divine desire comes a divine performance. Listen to me, uh, uh, if you, if you, if you, if all you do is learn a truth and yet you don't manifest the truth, you have missed an opportunity. And he says, it is God who works in me both to will and to do. What are you doing? Put that nutrition into your diet and start taking it in. And I'm telling you, people, you think you're stupid. You lay on your bed and say, there's just something wrong with me. Nobody knows. Oh, God, don't let them see what's wrong with me. No, I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, you have the ability to do the will of God. There's no sin. There's no weakness. There's no problem that's greater than what God has done. Do you believe it? I believe it. It is God who is at work in me. The Barclay says he puts into you the will to desire and the power to achieve what his purpose has planned for you. Another one says he supplies the impulse, giving you the power to resolve, the strength to perform, the execution of his good pleasure. It is really God who works in you. So you're not only willing, but also able to carry out his loving purpose. 
purpose. So in other words, you are not just inspired, but you are enabled. You have the ability. I love this. You don't just got the map. You got the ability to arrive at the destination. Talking about being a finisher, staying with it to the end. How do you stay with it? God's at work in me. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Number three, Philippians 3, verse 13. I know, uh, what time is it? I got, I got three more minutes. Philippians 3, verse 13. This is, this is uh, so important. You could say a lot. Yeah, I know. Philippians 3, 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I do this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before people who see victory are people who don't stop at trouble what do you got to do to not be to be able to see victory you got to you got to forget and you've got to press You can't just forget. It's not possible. You say, I don't know how to quit having those bad thoughts. I don't know how to quit having those bad images. I'll tell you how to quit having them. Get some new ones. Get some new ones. Listen to me. I know that you may not ever forget it like it never happened, but you actually will forget it like it will not shape your future. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's only one thing worse than having a horrible past. And that's having a future that's just like it. Listen to me. He's not after your past, the devil. He's after your future. And God puts something in you that gives you the ability to not just see where you've been, but to see where you're going. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, I'm almost through, but I think you need to hear this. He, he, uh, it's, this is not a self-help scripture. This is a, this is something where God is working in me to cause me to be able to be released and to also be able to go forward. It's not enough just to forget your past. You must see your future. And listen, this is what the Lord told me. He said, I do not look at your past when I plan your future. And neither should you. You say, why did he tell you that? Because I would have a tendency to shrink back from things that can only be done when you have faith in God. What God has called you to do is only possible by faith. Do you hear me? One more scripture, Philippians 4 verse 13. Oh, glory to God. I almost read this tonight when we started, but uh, just couldn't, couldn't do it. But I want to read it now. This is a good one. This is, this is not just a, uh, you know, a workout or whatever. This is not a self-help scripture. This is a God-help scripture. And I'm going to read, before I read it, I want to read Philippians um, verse 11, 4 verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I have learned. Did you see he had learned? Do you understand what he means by learned? That means he took some information and he used that information to reshape the way he thought so that what he was encountering, although it might look the same, he didn't see it the same. You understand? You say, I just, I don't like the way things look in my life. Well, you need to change the way you're looking at them. Did you understand me? I mean, you can be, you know, you, you can see, you can be in the same places like the story of the guy, you know, who came to a town and he asked the guy, he came walking into town. Actually, it's a story, uh, his little, this grandfather told his son, but he came walking to his, to this town and, and in the first person he met, he said, you know, what are the people like in this town? I'm thinking about moving here. And the guy asked him, he said, well, where were the people like where you came from? And he said, well, they weren't really very nice, kind of kind of stuck up I didn't really you know have many friends there didn't really enjoy living there and the guy told him he said well you won't enjoy living here either you know and so the guy goes on the next guy comes and asks him well what's this town like what are the people like in this town I'm thinking about moving here and he said well well what were the people like where you came from and he said oh they were great Good guys, good people. I sure enjoyed living around them. Good neighbors. He said, oh, you're going to like living here. People here are good. 
They're good people. This little grandson was listening to this, his grandfather talk like this. He said, Daddy, the same people live here that you told that guy he wouldn't like. The same people are living here. He said, Son, you don't see things the way they are. You see things the way you are. You say, Everywhere I go, I just always have trouble. I don't know what it is. There's just trouble everywhere I go. Maybe the trouble's in you. You understand? I'm just telling you, wherever you go, he's saying, it's not about where I am. He said, verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full, to be hungry, to abound and suffer need. Uh, Barclay says, I have learned the secret of how to live in any situation and in all circumstances. Do you want to know the secret? He learned it. Have you learned it? If you want to finish, you got to learn it. What is the secret? Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Glory to God. Listen to this. There is no situation which can overwhelm me now. Thanks to Christ who supplies me with his strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This verse takes the limits of what takes the limits off of what you can do and puts you into the power of what Christ can do in you. He puts, he takes out the I can't and puts in the I can because Christ lives in him. And you see, you understand, this isn't about what's happening on the outside. He was in prison, jail, in the sewer. You understand, in the jail where there was sewage in the jail he was in. His situation on the outside wasn't good, but he wasn't living by what was going on on the outside. He was living by the power of what was going on on the inside. And I'm telling you, God's working in you, and he's made you able and to do, and he's made you able to do what he's called you to do. And he's the one who's released you from what's hindered you and put something in your future. And he strengthens you and makes you able to do everything that he's called you to do. Listen, you got to know it. You can't just be able to preach it. You got to be able to live it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You say, why is it important for me to live it? Because I'm telling you, you are setting a, a uh, what do you call it? You are, you are setting a record with your faith in God. It's like that guy, you know, Roger Bannister. You remember that guy? You maybe don't remember him. He was a guy who, uh, who in 1994 became the first 54. person to run a mile. What did I say? What did I say? 94. I just want to make sure you were listening. In 1954. Roger Bannister became the first person to run a mile in under four minutes. Everyone thought it was impossible to break the four-minute mile barrier. They had several reasons for believing this. Man's lung capacity was too small, his skeletal structure was wrong, and his body caused too much wind resistance. (laughs) How many of y'all can uh, testify to that truth? His body... But in 1954, Roger Bannister became the first person to run a mile in under four minutes. He broke the barrier and opened up new possibilities for everyone who ran the mile after him. The very next year... Lots of people ran a mile in under four minutes. Today, hundreds, if not thousands of people run a mile in under four minutes. Coaches train them to run a mile in under four minutes. You know why they train them to run a mile in under four minutes? Because it has been done. They know it can be done. I'm telling you, because of what God has done in Christ, you know it can be done in you. How many of y'all feel like breaking a barrier? Woo! I'm looking at some people that can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. You say, are you just, is, are you just being uh, extreme? All things. What does all things mean? Well, I don't know what all things means to you, but it means whatever it is, wherever I am. In fact, that's what the message Bible says. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Woo! Those aren't just words. You know what those are? Those are extreme makeover words. 
How many of y'all want an extreme makeover? Oh God, I'd like to change my nose. I'd like to change my ears. I'd like to change my hair. I'd like to change my feet. I'd like to change my body. I just want a body whole over, all over, head to toe makeover. I'm telling you, that's what I'm talking about. He won't just give you a facelift. He'll give you a life lift. Woo! Glory to God. You say, you're too extreme. No, I'm telling you, people are looking for something that's extreme as long as it's extremely good. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I sense the spirit of God. I sense a power of God working in the lives of every person in here. I just release you to a new level of glory. I release in you a new power, more glory, more healing, more salvation, more filled with the spirit, more, 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 more manifestations of miracles. I speak it in your life. Stand on the word of God. Hunger and go forward in faith. Reach for those things that are ahead. There's more of it ahead. Everybody who says, I want it, lift both your hands. Lift both your hands. Lift your voice. Everybody who wants more of God. Any of y'all on the back row want more of God? Lift your hands. Lift your voices. And just say, We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.